Welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast with Pastor John and Sam. You're listening to episode number 43, and this one's kind of a doozy. So here we go. And this is a multiple part question too. I grew up in a traditional King James only version church where I was taught one wife meant one wife. I've heard others say that if a person was unsaved and divorced, then becomes a Christian to have only one wife from that time forward. Now, if the person is a Christian, does it depend on the reasoning for divorce and remarrying? I've also heard that, quote unquote, one means one wife at a time since polygamy was normal in biblical times. What if the husband has never been married previously, but the wife has? And also taught in my traditional upbringing that would disqualify the person from being an elder. Why do the translations use different wording, like one wife versus faithful to my wife? Wow. There's like 14 questions in there. (laughs) This is a big one. There's a lot to this. And uh, the question really is focused on pastors being divorced. Is that possible? Mm. And I will say that it's really hard to be dogmatic on this one way or another. I do know that growing up, there were churches that I knew, churches that I was even connected to, where having a deacon or deacons that were divorced uh, really caused the church to split. And so at Emmanuel, we're not going to ever make something like this an issue. But I do think it's an important thing for us to understand exactly what the Bible has to say about something like this. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say that I'm going to give to you my viewpoint according to the Word of God, but this is not a black and white issue as much as some of us would like it to be. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, we choose unity Mm -hmm. and we work together to honor God. And it always comes down to honoring the Word of God no matter what. Yeah. And so I just want to make that point. Okay. So let's look into the scripture because... The question is focused on pastors. Are they able to be pastors if they have in their past been divorced? So 1 Timothy chapter 3 is where we go. The Bible says in verse 1, Here is a trustworthy saying, If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. The idea of overseer is the idea of the leader of the church, overseer and pastor and elder are all synonymous terms. We've talked about that before, okay? And so then the next verse really begins to explain some of the qualifications of being an overseer or being a pastor. It says, now the overseer is to be above reproach. That's really, really important. We're going to get to that in just a moment. And then it says, faithful to his wife. And then it says, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And then it actually goes on in the next couple of verses. I'm not going to go through all the verses right now because that's not the question. But the thing that we're looking at is the idea of being faithful to his wife. Now, that is uh, the idea that comes from the, the NIV, the translation that we typically use at Emmanuel. It's also uh, the same wording used in the New Living Translation. Now, husband of one wife is the phrase that's used in the English Standard Version, the King James, and also the New American Standard Version. So, this is kind of what our listener is asking, right? Why is it described one way in several translations and another way in other translations? Okay, mm-hmm. so again, the husband of one wife versus faithful to his wife. Let's look at the traditional view again, okay? If you have been divorced and uh, you desire to be a pastor, the traditional view of many churches in the past has been you cannot become a pastor, overseer, elder 
uh, unless, and most people would hold the standard, unless it happened before you were saved, okay? Everything that's pre-salvation is thrown out the window because you're saved by grace and that's set aside in your life. And so a lot of people believe that. Okay. Okay. So we're not looking at that in particular because we're looking at the broader question. That is, can you be a pastor, whether you it, you were divorced before you were saved or after you're saved, can you be a pastor, period, if you've gone through a divorce? Okay. So there's some things for us to consider. First of all, number one, the spirit of present, quote unquote, integrity. If you look in the text of 1 Timothy 3, it's very clear. These are qualifications for a pastor. And then it goes on to give qualifications for a deacon. Okay. So the qualifications for a pastor, again, if you look at some of these, he's to be self-controlled. He's to be respectable. He's to be hospitable. He should be able to teach. He's not given to drunkenness. He's not a lover of money. He manages his family well. Okay. All these different things. And they're all adjectives describing the overseer in the Greek language, but they're pictures of present tense living. Okay. Now we'd all admit there have been times, right? Where our kids have been out of control, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably this morning right? Yeah. at the dinner table or the breakfast table, I should say. So the point is, is that there are moments where, uh, you know, we're not fully qualified in some of these areas because we have issues and we're human and we're sinners. But I think the point that Paul is trying to make here is in the present reality of your leadership, do you qualify as an elder, as an overseer, as a pastor? Because these are things that are under control in your life. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the question that we're asking today, then why wouldn't we ask the question that, well, can't we apply this to our marriage then too? So the question would be, you know, someone who's been divorced in the past, but right now they're presently married, they love their wife, and they're committed to their wife, and they've demonstrated that over a period of time. So they're not a novice in their Christianity, right? They've proven this over time. The question I would ask is, wouldn't that be satisfactory for this person in God's eyes to be a pastor? And that's the question you have to ask. And mm -hmm. so I think it's important to look at this. I also think it's important to look at the very first qualification, and that is to be above reproach. Some theologians believe the above approach principle is like uh, the very top of an arch where everything else is impacted by it. And it's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is love, and then it goes on to say joy, peace, and all these different fruit of the Spirit. And some theologians believe that everything is connected back to love just as some theologians believe that everything here is connected back to being above reproach. Now, the concept of above reproach literally in the language means that nothing can lay hold of, okay? Mm -hmm. And so my friend who is a former pastor, he said this the other day, I thought was really, really good. He said his, his thought on this is that no one can take hold of handles in your life. No one can grab something and hold on to something in your life. In other words, no one can grab onto your temperament. No one can grab onto how you treat people. No one can grab onto an addiction. No one can grab onto something in your life and say, I told you so. This person's not worthy of being a pastor. This person's not living for God. This person's not holy. This person's not committed to the gospel. This person's not managing their family well. Any of those things or all of those things, it seems that that's the concept, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing that can lay hold of. And so I think that's a bigger 
point that I'm trying to make right now that's important for us to to accept, right? It's not a matter of whether you've been divorced in the past. The question is, are you above reproach right now? Have you proven over a period of time? And again, I can't be dogmatic on how much time that should be, but have you proven over time that your life is honoring God, that your family is honoring God, that you are the kind of person that others are going to look to and your testimony stands for what it is, and people are impacted by that in a positive way, not in a negative way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And especially because we're in ministry, we're in a a very public view, right? So we're we're held to a higher standard. Absolutely. As pastors, as elders. Um, And if something is off, that could ultimately hurt the gospel. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And that's really the bigger point, right? The bigger point, I think, is are you above reproach? Are you a strong leader? Are you a holy person? Are you a loving shepherd? All these different things, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's another thought I want to give to this, and this is a cultural issue, okay? Some interpret this phrase um, to mean only married once. And by the end of the second century, this interpretation was really being promoted under the influence of something called asceticism. And asceticism was this idea that you would just um, buffet your body, discipline your body to extremes, extremes that are not necessary even, okay? Asceticism gave this idea, it was the opposite of um, eat, drink, and sleep, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It was the opposite of a party lifestyle. It was the opposite of indulging yourself. And asceticism was this idea that I'm going to force myself to go without. And so this led to clerical celibacy, Um, that was taking place in the Roman Catholic Church. Most commentators agree that this expectation uh, in the Bible here that we're reading in 1 Timothy 3 is focused on monogamy, um, only one wife at one time, and that the overseer must be completely faithful to his wife. That's the concept. And I think this is where we get into different viewpoints of different theologians, different pastors, uh, I know one guy that we use a lot in Right Now Media, his name is Chip Ingram. He's a fantastic communicator, teacher of the Word of God. He literally believes what I'm telling you today, that it's not a matter of being divorced once. Um, really, it's a matter of being above reproach now. Yet there are preachers that would believe the opposite of what I'm saying. And so, but again, the cultural issue, you know, by the end of the second century was, especially in certain dialects of... um of religion, the Roman Catholic Church in particular, they were using this belief to push people to a place of asceticism, which leads to all sorts of issues. And we've seen it over the years in the Roman Catholic Church with the abuse of children, and even in the evangelical church. So I'm not just picking on the Catholic Church here, but there are cultural things to consider. And many theologians believe the focus is that the overseer must be completely faithful to his wife. So the bigger question is, are you being faithful to your wife right now? What kind of husband are you right now? It's not just a matter of whether you've been divorced or not. The question is like, what kind of husband are you being in the present? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some options, okay, to this when it comes to different belief systems. Um, again, we're, we're talking about the question and, and our listener asked the question, you know, why is the person sometimes described as a, a one wife man or the idea of being faithful to your wife in the Greek text. Okay. And so, you know, the idea of a man married only once, that could be it, right? Or 
it's the idea of this person in the present is completely solely devoted to his wife. Okay. So the meaning of the phrase, my point is the meaning of the phrase is often disputed. And again, it's frequently understood to refer to the marital status of the church leader, excluding from leadership those who are number one, unmarried, number two, um, polygamous. So the idea of polygamy was completely pushed aside, the idea of being married to more than one person. Mm-hmm. Number three, being divorced. Number four, being remarried after being widowed. Okay. So there's different interpretations based on different translations. And so there's a lot of thought to this. And to be dogmatic is extremely difficult in this particular area. So I want to give you four final thoughts that I have. Okay. Number one, I believe personally that someone who has been divorced can be an overseer or a pastor. I do believe that. Okay. Uh, I do believe that because if you read the rest of the points uh, in 1 Timothy 3, that it gives the concept of in the present tense. And so why would one of the qualifications hold your past against you, whereas the others do not? Right. I mean, we all have a past, right? We all have a past. Before yes. Christ, and now that we have Christ, we're a new creation. Yes, absolutely. So I personally believe that someone can be divorced and still be an overseer and a pastor. Now, I know some of you, you don't want to hear that, and it probably makes you worry. Don't worry, okay? Because there's nobody in our church more committed to the Word of God than I am. And I, I know some people, I know that sounds arrogant. I don't mean to be that way. I'm just saying... I really am committed to honoring the word of God. So let me give you a few more thoughts that hopefully will put your mind at ease if this is a concern for you. Number two, the bigger issue is being above reproach, being above reproach. I would, as a lead pastor, look at someone who's going to be an assistant pastor. And my big concern is like, where are you at in your present life right now? And so my question would be, what kind of influence are you going to have? Are you going to have a good influence or are people going to be able to grab onto the handles like we talked about? Mm and be able to use the past or to use even the present against you based on your temper, based on how you treat people, based on a lack of holiness in your life, based on a lot of different things, okay? Here's what I would say, too. Let's say somebody was a pastor at Emmanuel and they went through a divorce. It's very likely that we would not bring them back to be a pastor here in this present church. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think in the local church, we have options and choices. And we always have to do, as a lead pastor for myself, I always have to do what's best for Emmanuel. And so it would be really, really, really difficult to be a pastor on our staff, on our team here in this church, to go through a divorce, and then for us to bring you back to continue to be a pastor at Emmanuel. Now, do I believe that you could get to the place of where you could be a pastor in another church? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I think it'd be really, really hard to bring you back at Emmanuel. I'm not saying impossible, but I'm saying in the same church, it's unlikely. Yeah. And the bigger question really is, are you repentant? Like the divorce situation that you've gone through, are you repentant over it? You know, the things that, you know, you need to change in your life. Have you changed those things? Are you honoring God with the choices that you are presently making? Okay. So the bigger issue is being above reproach. Number three is grace over guilt. We don't live in guilt. Like sometimes those who have been divorced, and I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you've been divorced, live in grace. Don't live in guilt. God has forgiven you of your sin. I've said this many times. 
I taught my kids when they were little growing up and we had family devotions, I taught them not to ask God for forgiveness, but to pray to God, confess their present sins to God, and to live in repentance, which is a total change of direction. Because once we're saved, we're forgiven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God positionally makes us perfect in the eyes of Jesus, in the eyes of himself when we're saved. Now, practically, we still sin, and that's where we need confession and repentance, but do not live in guilt. Mm. And so live in the grace of God. And number four, we have to have wisdom. It's so important that we have wisdom. I'm so grateful that in James, it tells us that we can go to God and he gives us lavish amounts of wisdom. It's incredible, right? Mm. We can go to God. And so we need to have wisdom in this. And again, I think the timing matters in this. Obviously, the timing of when you go through a divorce, you know, you can't go through a divorce and then, you know, three months later, be ready to be an elder. That's not how it works. You have to heal. You have to go through counseling. You have to go through therapy, all these kinds of things. And so we're really looking at years down the road, I think. But the point is, is that someone who has been divorced like 10 years ago, and they've learned and they've grown and they've developed, they've changed. I could never say they couldn't be an elder. I think they could be, but it's so important that we live by wisdom. And so, man, this is a huge question, a big question. It's a controversial question in a lot of ways. And I love the question because I think it's really important for us to dive into these difficult questions. So my final thought would be this. Can somebody be divorced and be an elder? The answer is yes, but there's a lot that goes into it. Let's not jump into something. Let's make sure that we're learning, growing, developing, we're changing, we're becoming what God wants us to become. Awesome. Thanks for your answer, Pastor John. And thank you for that important question. And we want to answer some of these other important questions that you have. So go ahead and email your question to Pastor John. His email is john at weareemmanuel.life. And we will answer that on a future episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.